Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and on this episode of Call It Like I See It, we would like to discuss the 2020 U.S. Census and what we see in the undertaking itself, and also what it says about how we define ourselves as Americans and as humans. Joining me today is a distinguished member of the most advanced race ever to walk the planet, the human race, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, I come in peace. How's it going today? <laughs> it's good. I just appreciate being called distinguished. This <laughs> Not used to all that fancy language when you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the distinguished was the most important part of that. But nah, the, uh, now we're recording this on April 6, 2020. And within the last few weeks, Tunde, myself, and many other people have been completing and returning our 2020 U.S. Census forms. Now, census, you know, they've been performed in, in most societies throughout the world right now, and they're used to collect data on not just the number of people in a given population, but also uh, on selected attributes of the population itself. And these things seem to date back thousands of years. You know, we know they occurred in the Roman Empire. Uh, and as many of us are aware, the legend of Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ's birth involves Joseph and Mary traveling for a census, you know, for part of that. And in the U.S., the data produced from the decennial census is used for a lot of important things, including making determinations as far as how uh, representative elected officials are apportioned across states and within states, and also the distribution of keyword finite resources, the distribution of finite resources across community. So, Tunde, do you have any general thoughts, you know, on, on the census, the, the forms, you know, what, what we just went through as far as that and, and the count and or just the process, big, big picture? Yeah, no, I think um, it's interesting having gone through it now. Uh, I'm, I've done census before, but since it's every 10 years, I, d I don't have a, like a working memory of exactly the questions and all that. Um, yeah, I, I, I look, I think it, the census in general is important. Obviously, it's like taking an inventory every 10 years of just kind of our population makeup. Um, but then I think, like you said, there's finite resources out there in general um, it, you know, uh, and it's important for our government to understand and know the makeup of our country as it relates to the population. So yeah. from that standpoint, I think it's a very important um, um, just uh, thing for the country. And, you know, it's been the first census in the United States was conducted in 1790. And I'd say it's probably one of the few things that has stayed consistent ever since then, that every 10 years, this is something that the United States government does. Yeah. And um, I know that there's a lot of, you know, in the kind of modern times, there's a lot of conspiracies and, you know, what they do with this information and this and that. But again, I think, um, you know, the need for data collection by the government in order to know what to do with the population in terms of, like you're saying, um, how many Congress people per, you know, uh, per, per person or yeah, per, per, per capita type of yeah, thing yeah, yeah, and yeah, per exactly. state. Um, you know, where resources go, you know, the finite resources from federal on down to states. Because remember, it's not just the federal government that uses this. Then it's each state within the country that then takes this information and looks at their own state and says, exactly. how do we allocate resources? So, you know, it's, it seems like it'd be a very important thing. Um, and then uh, what I found interesting, which I think got us into, um, you know, wanting to even discuss this on air was just looking at some of the questions which oh, stuck yeah. out to oh, me. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. I wanted okay. to give a general thought also. 
Yeah, um, so that's the general thought. Yeah, yeah. They, they, what I what really jumps out to me, and as you said, like I, we've done it before. Yeah, as adults, you know, like it, I, I did it ten years ago. Um, and but I don't really have a a really burned in memory of it. It was just kind of you just do it, you know. And um, but one thing that sticks out to me about the census is it's kind of the foundation of the whole all men are created equal concept, at least now. Um, that. You know, we don't, there's no longer a three-fifths compromise operating in terms of how the census works. But, you know, right now, everybody counts as one. And so, you know, no matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how dumb you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how weak you are, each person counted counts as one in the census. And so, and they can count all these people across states, and it's, it's really just everybody's equal in the census. Um, and on the flip side of that, though, you know, which is where I wanted to go with this. If you're not counted, you're pretty much invisible. Like you don't count in terms of how things are going to happen, how where representatives for the government are, where the money's going. You know, or do we need to build a school here or build a school there? Do we need a hospital there or a hospital here? Do we, you know, do we need uh, uh, to to widen this road and you know things like that? Like you're not a part of that calculation if you're not counted in the census. Like. It seems to me that you want to make a go make it a point to be counted because if not, then you are not a part of the whole all men are created equal thing. You're just kind of floating around invisible, at least from the the formal uh, machinations of the government and the operation and so forth. Well, let me let me stop yeah. you there because I think okay. that's an important point to, that you hit on, which is um, basically you know since we no longer are taught civics in basic kind of school. And, yeah. You know, I would say from elementary through high school. I mean, I know if you people that go to college can choose to really get into how you know, but it's not comp- part science. of the compulsory correct. education. But yeah. yeah, correct. That's the right word, compulsory. So the fact that most people don't learn these things anymore, like they used to teach them, I think before you know, back when we were little kids and before then, um, means that a lot of people don't understand what you just said, and that's why I think it's very important to stop on that note. You just said that the census helps. Basically, the government and the leaders that we elect um, look at locations where things might be needed, resources. So schools, hospitals, the building of bridges and roads, all that funding comes from every decade doing the census and, 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 and the leadership of that time having the ability to understand the makeup of the country and where resources need to be allocated. So to your point, Jimmy, if there's a... Um, let's say a couple counties in a certain state and 10 million people do not fill out the census in those counties for whatever reason, um, you know, that's 10 million people that are potentially uncounted and maybe they do need those resources. Maybe they would be helped out with more schools in that district or with more hospitals or better, uh, you know, funding of paving the roads and all that stuff. But if, if, if the numbers aren't there, their representatives or their state legislatures even, you know, so whatever. And they won't even have the representation there. You know, like, yeah, and that's representation they'll miss out on. That are supposed to be representing may not know that these resources are needed if they don't see the population count correctly. Correct. So, you know, I'm going to assume in today's modern world, there's other ways for them to get an idea of populations within, um, you know, certain certain areas. Uh, But the end of the day, I think that's, that's what you said. That's why I want to stop on it is what, one of the things for the audience that makes this census very important, um, but we don't learn why these things are important because we don't have the compulsory education on how our and system civics, functions. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and that's what I mean. It's because it's, it sounds boring when you explain it like that, all oh, civics and government and this. 
But really, it's about the mechanics of our system. It's like well, the plumbing but it, it, of it's how important it works. though because it's government of the people, by the people, and for right. the people. If this was a monarchy, then we wouldn't need civics because yo, somebody else just makes all the decisions. But if we're going to participate in how the decisions are made, then yeah, it's a pretty big glaring omission to not learn about how the decisions are made. You know, if this was a monarchy or a dictatorship, we wouldn't have all that going on. And that's where things like the census, I mean, I'm sure obviously monarchies and dictatorships need to control their population and understand how they're made up. But well, the they, do, idea, yeah, they do it for different reasons. Correct. That's what I was going to say. The idea of why the census was created and like you said, the sharing of resources, um, scarcity, um, needing to allocate funds to improve certain things within a community. Um, those are all the kind of, I guess, democratic republic reasons of doing a census and having that information and not necessarily um, the authoritarian reasons that a monarch or, a, or an autocrat or dictator would want them. So, And to, it is to be fair, the, the, the hesitation is understandable in many ways um, to want to say, okay, well, the leadership I see, you know, that doesn't represent me or they don't have my best interest at heart. But even still, if you are not participating in the process, then or by participating in the process, there are people who do have your best interest at heart, and you give them more ammunition, the greater the number, the more you're represented in the numbers. If you're not represented yeah. in the numbers, when those people show up and say, hey, we want better conditions in this area, and, and then they, if they can say, oh, well, there's, look, there's 10 million people here, and we're giving the same number of, of the same amount of money as this other county where there's a half a million people, that can't be right. You, you help them make the argument as to why your community needs more by being counted if you're there. If you're there, then you, you want to be counted. And because otherwise, you know, it's it's all it's finite. If you, if you're not counted, then the resources that should go to you, or at least somebody could argue should go to you, they're going to somebody else. And so, get counted or get left out. You are invisible if you're not counted. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to move to, and I know you well, were ready I got to a jump. Quick question oh, for you. I'll go ahead. I wanted you to explain this really quickly, just so the audience can do a little more research. I think a lot of people might have heard of this idea, but don't really understand it. And the point you said about the census um, brings it, maybe you can explain it in a, in a quick way, which is the three-fifth compromise that obviously oh, okay. from, from 1790 when we had the first census in Well, let's States, get into that in this they, next question. Okay. Let, let's get into that. So, but let, let's make sure we get back to that. Um, you know, one of the things that you uh, noted for me uh, when we first uh, or when you first were, were, were taking the actual form, um, you sent me a picture, I remember, and it, it was talking about the race identification question and, and how you, you noted that, you know, they had, they had white, they, they had black, and, you know, like all these. And one of the things, as, one of the examples they gave for white was Lebanese. One of the examples they gave, gave for white was uh, Egyptian. Uh, Egyptian as in Africa, like Egyptian. Yeah. And, and so you were like, you know, man, I, I've just, I, I guess I don't understand <laughs> how this is, how they're coming up with these classifications. So yeah, <laughs> what, what was your, you know, give, give us your full thought on your reaction to that when you saw that Egyptian now, and according to the United States Census, Egyptian is white. Um, you know, it, it, that may not match up with many people's conception, you know, like in their mind of, of how, we're, how we're using race. So yeah, you know, no, what was your thought on that? Well, it's amazing. I mean, look, I, I think everyone listening here probably has their own idea of what race means to them. So I think, you know, I want to be sensitive to that. I mean, uh, and, and part of it is, is understanding even things like DNA and all that. I mean, 
race is to so to me, and we've talked about this offline. Is race is more of a um, is more of a concept and a, and a construct of our of our culture and our times versus it being an actual delineating difference between human beings. I mean, the fact that we can all kind of all humans can can have children together. Um, and interact together that way means that we're all pretty much the same. We just have certain um, um, uh, surface traits that, that appear different. And we know Correct. that the sci- scientific community has already established, and most people accept it, that our DNA between all ethnicities is 99.8% the same, and, and, the, and the differences are, are, are two-tenths of 1%. Or so, if uh, which make up, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, which they're... make up hair and skin and all that stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was it was surprising to me to see on the uh, and I've got it up now. Looking at question number nine, um, <laughs> what is person? And we'll one put race? on the show notes. We'll put on the show notes a link to that on the website. Yeah, if you yeah, call, where you can like see all the questions because they so, have sample um, forms that are available. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so you know, they say um, white is classified German, Irish, English, but then, like you said, Italian, Lebanese, Egyptian, and and again, this is where I see we're Americans. So race has changed, and the definition and the history of the American country. I remember in college learning in a sociology class that in the early twentieth century, so call it the nineteen early nineteen hundreds through the probably the nineteen twenties. In those census and, and sociological type of questions, um, they they did not consider um, Irish people white. Uh, yes, and if correct. you look at a great kind of contemporary look into that, is when you look go look at the movie um, Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. I was just drawing a blank too. I'm thinking of Daniel Day Lewis and Leonardo yeah, yeah. on my head. I'm thinking, man, how can I not remember this? So Gangs of New York, and it was great because Daniel Day Lewis character considered himself. What he called, they called themselves natives. They were they were true white people, right? That that was the way they looked at it. They were considered native white Americans, where someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, who was Irish, was not considered, you know, white. And and it's interesting because you know they were the ones in New York, the Irish kind of congregating with the blacks. They were like the outcasts of white society. And so, and then there was a time I think that most people probably listening can appreciate. That for a long time in this country, um, Italians weren't considered white. I mean, we look at films even like Godfather Part Two, where where you know when he's in Nevada, Michael Corleone and and the senator there is calling him a grease ball and says, "I don't like your kind," and coming out to our pretty country out here and blah blah blah. So, you know, and now I'm seeing that Italian is considered white in 2020. But, but exemplified, and, you know, yeah, like that's part. And, that's one of the examples. Like, hey, correct. just so you guys and, aren't and, confused. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then that's what stuck out to me, too, is the Lebanese and Egyptian, because no other time in my life have I ever considered Arabs, you know, white. Um, and not to say there's anything wrong with being considered white. It's just interesting that there's those changes. Correct. So, yeah, the, the purpose of this, just to, just to be clear, the purpose of this isn't to, to demean any, any uh, classification race. It's more so it's just a surprise to see how it's been used. And then so... So what? Well, yeah, you know, well, what does race mean if it can be if it can just change like that? So if, if all of a sudden, poof, magic wand, now Lebanese, now Egyptians are white. What does it mean? What, well, is, it, what means, is, it, it means it's really BS. I mean, that it's really <laughs> all about no. But I mean, it's really about a, like concepts, right? It's, it's yes. whatever the concept is you have of another group of people that don't look exactly like your group, and um, and I think that you know, for me, it was very interesting to see this as someone who is. And I even don't even like using these kind of words anymore. You know, some someone like me who is of 
quote unquote, and I do the air quotes here, mixed race background. Mm -hmm. um, so my father is from Africa, West Africa, from Nigeria, which is a country in West Africa. And my mother is Hungarian, which is a country in, you know, Central Europe. And so the, um, the, um, the idea for me has always been in my life, because I'm in America, people will identify me as black American. And I'm fine yeah. with that, and I'm happy and proud of that. But I've always thought in my head, well, that's funny because genetically I'm kind of 50-50. Yeah. yeah. I could walk around and say I'm white and that I'm, and I'm a white person. But you know what? They probably put me in a straitjacket and, and in the same <laughs> asylum because our country, you know, people would look at me and say, this guy's crazy. I can walk yeah. around and say I'm black and everyone's like, yeah, you're black. So what? Yes, yet you're equally white and black in terms of your genetic or your, your, your ethnic background. You know, Correct. so yeah, that's an and interesting so, point. So, so that's my point is that yeah. I've, I've carried this thought my whole life in my head. That's yeah. why to me, the idea of race being BS is not, um, is not like a novel idea. However, I recognize that anybody, whether a black person, white person that grew up in a homogeneous household, Oh, had two parents of the same race as they were and grandparents and all that is everybody looked the same in their family. I can understand how someone would look, would look at what I'm saying and say, you're crazy. How can there be no such thing as race? So it's just, it's just interesting. And I think a lot of it is that life experience stuff as well. But to well, our your point, point your, yeah. your point is well taken in the sense that it's BS. It's, it, it's BS in the sense that it's not a natural organizing concept. It, it's something that is, uh, it, it's a social construct that has been created to serve various purposes. It's not like when we classify a duck as a duck and not a, uh, you know, a hawk, even though they're both birds, then we're classifying them based on biological differences, observable biological differences. They're different species. You know, as you pointed out, you know, if humans of different quote unquote races have babies, the babies are just are perfectly functioning humans. They're not, it's not like a horse uh, and, a, and a donkey. You know, where you, you mate them and yeah. you get a mule and it's not, it, 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 it can't procreate from that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a complete social construct that's cr created. Well, and seeing and the, well, well, let me say this, seeing yeah. how it's fungible, seeing how for the moment you can alter what it is that you want it to be to, for, again, and, and we're, I want to get into the purpose of this in a second, but you can alter it and say whatever it is you want it to be. Like, okay, for, so, you know, as 10 years ago, Arabs were, may have been Asians, and now they're white. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, how does that, how does that, who, who got together and decided that that's the class, that's the change in the classification? Like, is there some grand committee on what race means that they, are they like, is there some kind of, of that, that they're making these decisions somewhere? But it shows you how it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. Somebody just decides this is what we're going to call this in our lifetime. You know, they, people just up and decided like, hey, I think we'll just, we'll take Hispanic away as a race. You know, it's like, what do you mean? You'll just take it away. It'll just be, it'll be something else, not a race. It's not something you can check as far as race goes. So, you know, I just wanted to finish that point though. Like it's, it's BS in the sense that it's not rationally based. It's based on the whims of whoever's making a decision, which could be, as you said, it could be people personally. In this case, in the census, it reveals it as someone doing it institutionally, but either way, they're just, they're making it up as they go along. Yeah, I know. And, um, you know, it's interesting because as you're talking, it makes me think of several different things. Um, one of them is even looking here back at the question. I mean, for, for we talked about how they define white. I mean, even for black, they have all these different examples, African-American, Jamaican, Haitian, Nigerian, Ethiopian, Somali. 
Well, I would beg to differ that all those groups should be classified as one. I mean, I remember growing up in D.C., and one of my best friends, his father was Ethiopian. And just from a young age kid, I could see that Ethiopians and Somali, kind of the East African ethnicities, were just much different than West African. Um, you know, not all Africans are the same, just like not all Europeans are the same. You know, someone from Ireland or Scotland has a much just different look and, and, and kind of ethnic makeup than someone from Greece, for example, right? But in America, a Greek and a Irish are both considered white, just like a Ethiopian and a Nigerian are all considered black. So, you know, I think race, so that would be their races, even though their, their ethnic cultural makeup is much different than just putting their, that box of a race on those different um, nationalities and ethnicities. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's each individual person makes their determination of, of what what races are races. And then also we have some institutional determination what's going on. Like I said, who's making these determinations institutionally? But look, you wouldn't look at, like, I like boxers. I, I, I've had a couple of boxers in my life. I wouldn't look at a fawn boxer as being substantially different than a gray boxer. Like, it's still a boxer, you know? And so only where... We, we look at humans where we look at these superficial characteristics and then say, okay, well, because of that, we're going to classify them in a certain way. My issue that I bring this up for is only how inconsistent it is. Like, let's not look at this as the end-all, be-all, because this is very arbitrary and inconsistent. Um, do you think that there's any underlying purpose that's being served with this, though? Like, we, we, we point this out and say, okay, yeah, this is what it is. This is arbitrary. This is, you know, kind of BS. It's a social construct that's created. Well, why? That's the matter. I, I, I mean, why, I think, why is this out here? So I think, uh, you know, uh, so let's call it the last 500 years. And this is where the, the current way we look at race. I mean, I don't know how people looked at this stuff 2,000, 3,000 years ago. But the current way is, is really we're still in the historical um, period where the European colonization uh, that dominated the world for the last half millennia or so you know, it's been on a downswing for the last hundred years. Let's say after the Second World War, many many of the uh, the colonies started getting their independence. Um, but from a kind of generational and cultural experience, we're still dealing with a lot of the classifications that came about during the Victorian age, uh, when the European um, explorers were going around the world and recording all these new groups. Correct. And, yeah. and, and so what happens is they bring back all of that new knowledge and associate certain things. Then the stories that come back to Europe was that they, you know, the Spaniards and the British went there and basically found a bunch of savages and conquered them all. And so yeah. you, you have what happened in the, if you look at the writings from the 1800s and the, and the famous authors and all that, you know, they were writing and, and, and they were teaching Europeans that basically that, that, that they were kind of the God-given stewards of the earth where all the other peoples of the world were basically beasts to be conquered, just like, you know, the new beasts that were discovered in these places, like rhinos and, and lions and tigers and all that. Because remember, all that stuff was new. To yeah, that population to, to those, and, and I mean, in history is when it written, you know, by the the victor, so to speak. Correct. You know, so at that, you know, for the, for that moment in time, you know, that period in time, the victor was writing that, and I think it's very informative, though, to to consider that mindset as the base from which this is formed. But Correct. that mindset, and and that's illustrated by the fact that you know, on the census form currently, 
you know, they still call it American Indian <laughs> as one yeah. of the, the categories, which is yeah. like, yo, I think we learned a long time ago that they were not of India. You know, the people who, who were in the New World were not of India. You know, they're not Indian. Now we call them that, you know, like that. But either way, that tells you how it's informed by that mindset in 1700, 1800. But, even, but, even, but, let, me, but let, me, uh, let me make this point. But it has evolved since then. And that's the evolution is what I'm really interested in here. Like, how do you get to a point where Irish and Italian jump over into the white? Or where now we have Arabs are, are considered white or where Hispanics, as you, you've looked through and we'll link to the show notes on this, where a historical analysis of what they've done in each 10 year census, each decennial census shows, you know, it was white and black at the beginning. And I'll talk about the three fifths compromise in a second. And then that is like that for 50, 60 years. And then they add in the, the Indians and then they add in, you know, the Asians and so forth. And then Hispanic, as you noted, has been toggled back and forth. Like, okay, they're a race. Okay, no, they're not a race. They're, you have to pick another race. And then you can just say you're Hispanic as well, which is, you know, again, it's, it just shows how arbitrary it is. Just to say, though, the three-fifths compromise, what that was is the founding of the country and you're counting people. Uh, essentially, the southern states wanted, you want people counted, you know, and, or you want people to count because, again, that increases your proportional representation across the states, particularly in the House of Representatives. And so the southern states were like, well, we want all the slaves counted. And the northern states were like, no way, they're not citizens. You're not giving them the rights. So why would they be counted? And not for altruistic reasons, but again, they want the southern states to be counted as less than they are relatively. So because whoever has the most people gets the most representatives and so forth. So the fight over that ended in a three-fifths compromise where literally the people who were slaves were counted as three-fifths of a person. So if you had five slaves, then the census for representation purposes, for monetary distribution purposes, would count that population, those five slaves, as three people. And so that was the compromise that allowed, you know, ratification of the Constitution. Now that, again, that doesn't exist now currently. And so that's why I gave the caveat that since that's been knocked out, one person is one person across the board, no matter how rich, no matter how poor, you know, no matter what race, quote unquote, that you are, everybody counts as one before the census. Um, but either way, the, the arbitrary nature of this, I think, comes from, it, 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 you would think that it's like, okay, well, it's, it's an exaltation of white. It's a white supremacy thing. But when I look at it, it really seems to be more to put down or to exclude blacks. Because if it was to, to, to prop up whites, to, 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 to establish a basis for superiority of whites, you would think they would be more exclusive with it and try to keep people out. But it seems like whites for the, at least the 20th century and 21st century, have been trying to include more people in it and try to boost up the numbers of whites. Many people say that the, the taking away the Hispanic was in part so that the Hispanics in bulk would identify as white, which would give the country a higher percentage of white people. And now with the Arab question, you know, with the, the question of people from, you know, the, the, the Arab countries, you know, Egyptian, um, and we say that as an Arab because... And, and, and throughout history, Arabs have, have come to, to really be in Egypt much more so than what you may say, you know, the, the, the quote unquote Africans. But as Tunde noted, East Africans don't, they're not necessarily the same as West Africans. So it's a whole convoluted thing. But either way, it seems like they're just trying to exclude blacks. Like they're just trying to, yo, we just need a biggest group as possible who's not black so that you don't end up with this people with pigment in their skin versus people who without pigment in their skin or something like that. That's what it seems to me more than just than them trying to say, oh, well, the whites are just the best. Because if that's the case, then how does everybody keep being white? Everybody except black people, you know, African-Americans, 
end up being white under this analysis. Well, that's why, but that's why, you know, in the end it is BS. I mean, race, it's, so here's the thing, and, and I think one article I read put it well, that race, you can't say that race isn't real. Race is real because we all live with it, right? Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's real as a social idea, not a biological fact. Correct. And so, and so the, the, the point you make is, is, is actually excellent because, you know, I'll, just trying to think of people in my head that I know, but you know, the audience doesn't know everybody I know, but let's, <laughs> let's put someone out there like, like Meghan Markle, right? So l- just look at her as a human being, very light skin, you know, very, apparently, um, apparently your dog likes that point. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, but, um, but, um, you know, very light skin, straight hair, you know, for all intents and purposes, being of someone of quote unquote mixed race, she um, she um, she 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 inherited a lot of the traits of her Caucasian side, right? Yeah, kind of a straighter nose, you know, small lips, blah blah blah. But in America, she's black. Yeah, without question. But like if I but if I just looked at a picture of her without knowing who she was, and someone just said, "Hey, look at this young lady here. Where does she look like she's from?" I mean, you could have told me she was Egyptian, Lebanese, Brazilian. French, Spanish, Italian, whatever. And, and I said, yeah, I guess she could be from there. You know, yeah. the last thing I would have thought of? That she is a straight African-American. Yeah. And so the point is, is that, in, again, our country has a unique relationship with this race stuff because to your point about the Egyptian thing, it's funny. When you said it just now, it made me realize, because I, I, I love history and I watch all these documentaries over the years on, on the pyramids and the pharaohs and all that stuff. You know, when you look at the the a lot of Egyptians, they're dark skinned and brown skinned guys. Yeah. You know, out there. And then if you look at a lot of the hieroglyphs, they're painted with brown pigments and all that. Yeah. So that's the funny thing too. I would say, let's say I was an Egyptian that just had darker skin. I would well, mark remember off. though, there's an Arab migration across northern no, Africa. Of course. That, so I, I mean, agree. So my yeah. point is saying though, but I could be a darker skinned Egyptian and I have every right to answer that question that I'm white. That's why it doesn't make any sense is the point, because it says right there, are you Egyptian? Do we consider you white? Well, well yeah, because there's two things going on here. There are real uh, surface differences in human beings as far as like, yeah, skin pigmentation, nose size. A lot of those are genetic adaptations. There, there are like biological purposes of those. And there is in our minds a concept of race. Where what we're saying as far as it being BS is that the physical characteristics, the superficial physical characteristics that we're talking about are not informative of the race by and large. The race by and large seems to be a construct that's created based on other criteria, not purely physical characteristics. It's not just your determination of whether you're white and black in America has, is not really determined based on how much pigmentation is in your skin. You know, it, because as you pointed out, Meghan Markle, you know, is considered black, even though she has much less pigmentation in her skin than someone, you know, who may be of Italian descent, who, who may have more, but would be considered white. And so those characteristics and, and the genetic adaptations are real, you know, like it, it is known in science that the darker skin that you have, the more sun you can absorb, the more of the UV rays you can absorb without uh, depleting folic acid, for example. And if you if you're lighter skin and you get too much vitamin or excuse me too much UV that can deplete your folic acid, which is causes issues with birth 
problem. So that's a known thing, but it's also known if you have darker skin, you need more sun to get enough vitamin D. You can't survive on the same amount of sun as someone with lighter skin. If you're of lighter skin, you need much less sun to get the amount of vitamin D that you need. But if you get too, it's easier for you to get too much sun. With the nose thing, again, known differences that have functional purposes. A wider nose get, can pull in more air, but a wider nose is more susceptible to illness and to other problems, respiratory problems, if it's cold air. Because a narrow nose w acts more to warm uh, air as it goes into your body versus a wider nose is not worried about warming air because it's, it's built to, to suck in warm air. So those things are real. But that doesn't mean that the, or what, the, there's no correlation or there, there's a weak correlation at best between the social construct that we've created and those things. And that's really the point when we say that it's BS. It's just made up. It's just made up to classify people. And, and the why, like I said, to me, the why seems to be just to turn everybody, to, uh, uh, not against, but to, to, to separate everyone from those of, of West African descent, <laughs> Southern African descent. I don't I mean... Because now, again, like the Egyptians aren't even there. And Egyptians just a, Egypt is just a stone throw from Ethiopia, which is one of the examples from, <laughs> for being black. So it's like not even the region of the world, you know? So it's, yeah. it's just crazy, though. No, nah, that's, that's the thing. And, I, and, and But as you're saying it, it makes me realize, look, people either get this stuff or they don't, or they don't want to, you know what I mean? Meaning what you're talking about and all this stuff requires somebody to have an open mind to understand science history, uh, learn about migra migratory patterns historically, all that kind of stuff, which is stuff we can't translate to somebody in an hour show or just by the one conversation. They have to, they have, to have um, you know, some basic background in wanting to learn this stuff and also an open mind because, you know, I've, I, I, as you're talking, it made me realize that that conversation is about as difficult to have as climate change, really, for people that don't under, already have a sort of backing of certain ideas and facts. So just like for someone that understands, you know, basics about chemistry and that if you trap carbon in a certain area, it will, it, you know, sorry, if there's a lot of carbon uh, within a, a certain density of, of a location, it's going to trap heat. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea, I mean, I grew up in the it's Northeast. It's called a greenhouse gas. That's, that's my point. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was just going to say. I grew up in the Northeast, and everybody in the Northeast knows what a greenhouse is. Yeah. We see people that had a plant survive in the winter and all that, and that's why And I never understood how someone didn't understand the concept of greenhouse gas, that you could just, at a much bigger scale, it's the same thing. You're trapping all this, this carbon in the Earth's atmosphere, and it's just causing heat to stay in the Earth, and it warms up the Earth, which then causes ice to melt. It's not, it's it's an not interesting, a hard... And, it's and, an interesting and, point you make in that people have to be receptive correct. to scientific explanation. Like, you can't just hit someone with a scientific explanation correct. and expect them to well, adopt and, it. And here's where my analogy is on what you're saying, right? Over time, if, if whether the cradle of humanity was somewhere in Africa or not, we understand that human migratory patterns happened over tens of thousands of years. Um, you know, we didn't have airplanes and trains and boats and all that, you know, more than really 100, 200 years ago in terms of motorized and all that. So for, you know, large populations to move en masse was almost unheard of. What you would have is much smaller tribes and, 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 and groups, maybe of just a couple hundred people, even dozens of people, maybe thousands of years ago, crossing mountainous terrains and all that and settling in new areas. And over time, just like what happened with, with Darwin when he went to the Galapagos Islands and found that if you separate a group 
for just a short, you know, a long enough period of time, but not too long, then they don't change into separate species. That would be too long. Yeah. But what they do is they, 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 they develop certain, they adapt, they 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 adapt. adapt, That's the word. They adapt uh, certain traits to meet the, the, the areas uh, from which they're now find themselves. And that takes time. That doesn't happen in one or two generations. So your point about the wider nose versus the shorter nose, the darker skin versus the lighter skin and what that does um, is very, is very true, but you have to understand all those other variables for that to hit your mind, just like with climate change. And that also explains, because I could see why you're saying it. I could see somebody say, well, how come black people can now live in snowy areas? How come white people can live in the tropics? And it's not to say that people can't live there. What is basically what we're saying is over time, because of now these migratory patterns, right? All the, all the, European Caucasians that migrated to um, tropical areas, for example, it's not that in a generation or two they're going to have brown skin, but maybe if their descendants are still there three thousand years from now in those locations, you know that that those descendants don't look anything like the people do today, and so that's really what we're saying. Well, it's um, also it's an adaptation. Um, that doesn't mean you cannot function in a certain if you're outside of your adaptation. That means that it's not optimal. For it, that's all. Correct. You know, like the at the 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 it, that's the whole survival of the fittest thing. Like if you move to Norway, then in a thousand years, your descendants, the ones that had progressively lighter skin, would have thrived. All other things being equal, versus, yeah. versus the darker skin, because the darker skin ones would have had a harder time maintaining their vitamin D level. Which you know, that's not to say anything objective about the quality of the person. That's just saying that. Those adaptations have purpose that we have learned. They didn't know that 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so and, and if you understand that, though, and yes, you, you point out how, you know, things can, can di- people can diverge. And all any animal can diverge over, you're talking thousands of years, then you can stay the same species. We talked a couple weeks ago about it when it's millions of years. That's how you end up with Neanderthals and Denisovians yeah. and when people are separated for millions of years. But ultimately, those characteristics you like the DNA test that people take. People cannot those, those DNS testers cannot tell you what quote unquote race you are. That that's how you know that it's not something that's defined in your genetics. It's something that the, we have these physical characteristics, and then we from we human beings in our society take certain physical characteristics, but maybe not all physical characteristics, and then try to classify each other based on how we want to classify each other. But it's all I'm saying is it's a it's not something it's not a natural order type of thing. It is yeah. a selected way to go, and we can speculate on why it's selected that way. But yeah, yeah, once you said if you're just taught that from the way you from the time you were born, then it's you're it's selected for you, and you yeah. and you don't question it, then that's selected for you. You're just not conscious in that selection process in terms of what's important and what's not. And so that's all that was interesting to talk about it with me. I mean, like I, I felt that if you can't tell race from genetic, then let's just acknowledge that it's, it's relatively arbitrary or as, as in, in Tunde parlance, it's BS, yeah. you know, and, and then we can move on from there. That's it. I mean, it's not to say that no, people are going to stop using it as a classification. But it's just to say that, hey, it, it, there it is. It's not something that defines who you are. Your physical characteristics don't define who you are. Well, and, and, and I, I just want to jump in because I realized that it, to answer the question you had earlier about why the broadening of the definition of white 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a why that you know that I can answer a, a straight why. You speculate. But, but, I want you to speculate. Well, no, Reckless it's, speculation. It's, it's more because <laughs> I don't know who's in charge of making these decisions to put these things on there and why. You know, someone in a meeting said, "Hey, we should add this group or that group." I mean, that's that's what I mean. What I'm what I'm saying though is I remember reading a book about just the history of our country and 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 all that stuff and 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 some of these things came up and what they were saying was that in in it's like in the year 1900 like it was a high much higher percentage like something like 60% of white people that were classified as white had blue eyes for example and by the year 2000 that was down to like less than 20% or something and the idea was that also because remember again this goes back to understanding migratory patterns and all that in in the 1700s most of the white quote unquote people in this country were really um, English and Irish, um, primarily English. Um, the 80, 1800s saw huge migration waves from Germans, uh, Germany, and Dutch in the middle of the 1800s, and then the Irish came later in the late 1800s. So what happened is during the middle of the 1800s. You had a lot of people that were like fair, fairer skinned white people, blonde hair, blue eyes coming because they came from kind of the Nordic and German areas. And those are like, if you go back again to the movie of uh, Gangs of New York, that was the, what Daniel Day-Lewis represented, what they called themselves the native white people, the native white Americans. And they looked down on other quote unquote European groups, right? They looked down on people from France or Spain or, or somewhere like that because they weren't seen as pure white. Because also remember too, culturally, they're bringing in their beefs from Europe. So if you were a German immigrating to the US and you didn't like French people because you were German and just, they had their own beefs in Europe, then you brought those beefs over. And, um, and, so, and so what happens is coming into the turn of the 20th century, it was easy to identify a quote unquote white person back then because there was relatively higher amounts of that population. Fast forward through, let's say, the Second World War and after that, look at all the migration from Eastern Europe, Russia, Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia. All those groups started migrating into the U.S. in the second half of the 20th century. And so you had a, a little bit of a combination. Remember, those groups came to an America that was highly segregated with Jim Crow stuff. Yeah. So, if they so, had so to what, do you think, what do you think they want to choose, right? Yeah, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm from if I'm from Czechoslovakia and I'm and I'm some dude, and it's funny because I know a lot of Jewish folks who they have certain names. Like one of my friends, well, I'm not going to say his name, but he's got a very um, uh, a very um, like Slavic Eastern European kind of stereotypical Jewish sounding name, and. Um, what he said was um, his 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 family changed their name to last name to Gilbert uh, back when uh, you know his grandfather immigrated here in the fifties or something like that um, because of all the anti-Semitism. So one of the things that I've recognized too that's happened in the United States is that you know groups like that, like like the Jewish immigrants post World War II could come into the U.S. Not all of them. I don't think a majority changed their names, but some did change their names because of just the anti-Semitism and not wanting to have that stigma. And so they change their name from, you know, something to Smith or something. That, and so what happens is 
they might have kept their Jewish traditions or something, but people outside the house didn't realize they're Jewish and they were allowed to assimilate into society. People like well, you and I, mean, I that's, can't that's, walk in. You know, that's we, my we, point. Yeah, and so that, and so, yeah. but, but, but saying all that means that what it once was, let's say in the late 1800s, to be considered white in this country, they almost had to open up the, those that that door a bit because that that um, well, I guess what was considered that native white population by the end of the 20th century basically had had dwindled a lot if you counted everyone else that yeah, came in and could no, be classified no. as white. They didn't have to if the founding principle of it was white supremacy. They only had to if they wanted to try to maintain dominance. Basically, it is a no, right. it's a path to assimilation that only excludes black Americans. Correct. Well, That's, think that about was my it this point. Way. If you're looking at the South African model or the South Carolina model, you know, at some point you can't have you can't be the dominant group with only ten percent, you know, uh, uh, of the population. At some point. They, you know, if you want to maintain dominance, you got to open up the door for a few others to come in, or else they're going to all fall exactly. on the other and side. Exactly, and that's basically what you yeah. what you see here. And and here's a, and the final point I wanted to make here. Um, and I probably should have brought this up earlier because I, I definitely I know you could go to town on this one though. But race essentially has become tribal. Like what were you? The way we use race in our country is how many areas of the world historically and, and, and currently use tribe. And so, and that's how you, you see that a lot of times. Not everybody, that's not universal 100%, but in terms of how you assimilate into it, it is like you become more American. When these immigrants from Eastern European Europe or from South America, Central South America, when they come in and they have the option, like you said, when people see the way black people are treated, nobody's going to choose that if they don't have to. And so you then assimilate towards the white and then adopt some of that mindset. And, and, and in a way, it's a way to build a more unified nation. But where, where I look at that and I come in like, well, hold up. Why do you have to build a unified nation where I'm the antagonist as a black man? You know, like, why, why, why can't we just build a unified nation, you know, with all of us as Americans? And you, you bring them in as, in terms of shared value. But you see how race is wielded where and you can see this in terms of how when when certain groups are attacked or feel attacked, a lot of times people will consolidate around race, which is unfortunate um, because, like I said, it's so it's such a fungible thing. When you look at real tribes like that goes back like you know, ancestry and, and things like that versus like real tribe in terms of tribalism when you're talking, uh, you know, the the Anglos and the Saxons or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so that is a much deeper connection, so to speak, than how we arbitrarily throw around race. But when it's used in a tribalism sense and you, you have this, when you have contri competing tribes, a lot of times there's antagonistic behavior. And that, you know, it is worrisome to me because it almost sets up a scenario where black Americans will always have this target on our back by a a race, so uh, by alternate races where we're just the, the, the bottom barrel, you know, like everybody's looking at us like, oh, well, you, you got to get away from that. And yeah. the, the definition is being expanded to help allow more people to get away from that. No, it's true. And, and that's the interesting thing, because it's it's I, I, I think it's unintentional. I don't think there's some 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 secret room where people are saying, hey, hey, let's 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 include this group or that group and screw black people over from from being included here. Um, <laughs> but I, because I do but think I, it's... But I wouldn't uh, put it past people. No, well, <laughs> but I, because I think it's a collective thing that happens over time, right? People, look, people, 
our human beings and uh, all, everybody wants just want to be left alone in a sense, and they want the best path for themselves and their families and all that. So and their tribe, it's it's and their tribe. But but I think really it's more of a self interest as at the individual level, which yeah, is yeah, if you're coming into this country. And it's like, it's like, I remember my uncle told me when he came from Hungary in the 50s, he said, I, the first time I drove down to the South, all I saw was signs on the highway saying, no blacks, no Jews, no dogs, on the, on the restaurants and the yeah. gas stations and all that. So, you know, think about a Jewish immigrant, right, that might have a last name that, it, that someone would say, oh, you're a Jew. If, you're, if you come to America and you see those signs, you're naturally going to say, okay, well, I don't want to be part of that group. Because I don't want to. So if you have a choice to say, well, I I, I want to go to a restaurant that I I don't want to go to any restaurant. I want to be able to take a piss in any bathroom and not have to go to a you know drive an extra three miles to go to go take a leak. Then you might change your name to something else and assimilate. And then what happens is your kids, your grandkids down, they don't have that same memory of of, That's true. of that That's past, true. and they just now consider themselves white, right? Yeah. And so and so. But you and I don't have that luxury. W.E.B. Du Bois, the, the famous writer from about 100 years ago, had a great quote. He said, to be a Negro in America is to always be the problem. Yeah. And that's kind of it, right? It's like, it's, uh, and, and that's what I'm saying is that I can see this not as a conspiracy by one you know, person or a group that said, we're just going to do this. I can see it as an ongoing decision by millions of people collectively over time that say, you're saying, I'm not no, trying you're, to be part of that group. No, you're I'm saying it's a conspiracy. Here. You're saying it's a conspiracy, but right, you're saying it's, an, unco- it's an unconscious conspiracy. Correct. Like it, it's something that as you grow up in America, that it becomes a part of you. And you don't even realize that that is how your whole approach and your outlook is based, which is a right. even that's, that's probably, you know, the, the, that's the point to end on right there. And the standpoint that you know, it's it's one of those things that is in everybody as we're we're raised, as we're taught. It's putting you in your unconscious, and then that guides your conscious in ways that you're not always aware of. And that's for black folks and for white folks. You know, like that that W. B. Du Bois Du Bois quote was was really on point because that's something that's ingrained in all of Americans or taught to all of Americans when they come here, immigrants and whatever. And then we all act kind of on that knowledge moving forward. So. You know, no, I, I, it was an ex- ex- interesting discussion to have on the census. I didn't know we would go this far into the race, but I mean, I thought a lot of, you know, there was a lot of interesting stuff when you kind of, anytime you turn the microscope back on ourselves and try to understand why we're doing what we're doing, particularly the things we're doing without even thinking about them, it leads to some interesting stuff. So, uh, well, you know, I, I definitely appreciate the audience joining us for this one as we went on this journey, you know, me- meandered our way through. Um, you know, so until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunday, distinguished Olana. <laughs> Everybody, stay safe, stay well, and please subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you next Thank time. Thank you.